Hello and welcome back to There Will Be Movies. This is episode 42 of our mini-series covering 25 of our favourite movies of the 2010s, 2010 to 2019. This episode 42 covering one of my personal favourite movies of the decade, The Florida Project. Uh, I am Ben Phillips and I am joined, as always, by my put-upon host who has to watch these movies at my behest. Mm. Hello, I'm Matt Waters and I would like to... Apologise to Boyhood, <laughs> because I longed for Boyhood while watching this. Um, new rule, I'm not blindly accepting things to the list anymore. That's my fault, I've done it a lot. We, we've rolled the dice quite a lot on this volume of stuff that I was like, yeah, I really want to watch that, and the podcast will make me, so we'll just put it on there and I'll, I'll, I'll watch them. I am sorry, but I absolutely <laughs> detested this. I would rather have talked about Mad Max. Uh, Words I don't think you would ever have heard me say. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Every time it hinted at being something I found interesting, it went away again. What was what was it you would have found interesting if this movie had done? I find it difficult to criticise because I'm very conscious of the fact that I don't want to misrepresent myself as, like, looking down on poor people. You know? <laughs> like... This movie is hinting around at, like, look how fucked up America is, look how, un, you know, marginalised a sector of society is, look how fucked certain systems are, etc, etc. Um, I think that is perfectly valid and interesting. I think setting a movie in, like, a poor motel right a stone's throw from Disneyland is inherently fascinating. I detest the subject matter, like, the, the main characters so it, it, i did think when i'm watching it i was like if matt's gonna have an issue with this the issue he's gonna have <laughs> is not having a tie to someone yes because i hate Haley. yeah like Haley <laughs> is unlikable even yes. if you're, like that's i think that's my favorite thing about it is this kind of like this this catch-22 of like you want her to do better i do also... not want her to do better <laughs> i no, want I her to I'm, fail I'm, I want her to have like a job and like yeah, yeah, and yeah. like I want her to be more like Ashley who yes. who has a 9 to 5 and yes. cares about what her child does. But then I feel a bit iffy being like you're the wrong type of poor person, you know? Like and I I must stress again, not at all my viewpoint on this. I and you asked me like what I would have found more interesting. I would have found it more interesting if Bobby was the main character and it was like let's meet everybody in this fascinating location because there are moments in it where I was like oh this is interesting like um when Dickie's dad leaves and takes Dickie and like everyone is crowded around to like say goodbye and like there's a and genuine the, the, the bond sense of community yes exactly and I was like I almost wish we almost went like room to room and just everyone has a different story kind of thing yeah, rather I... than forcing it all through the viewpoint of Haley and Mooney um, I, I did. I did. Like, on rewatch, and like this movie puts me through the emotional ringer. Like I think from the moment the DCF shows up for the first time through to the very end of this movie, I am just in in floods of tears. The, the end just... had a sense of tension that I was like, "This is new. Like this is doing something it hasn't been doing for the last hour and a half." Like I was like, "What the shit's going to happen?" Like and Haley taking it all so surprisingly well, or you know, in silence when she's very much normally not silent. I was like, "What's she going to do?" And then. You know, it does all sort of blow up and have this interesting ending. But 
yeah, I just every time it dangled something I would have found more interesting, like, you know, what's going on with Bobby and his son? Like, let's actually explore this. And it's like, no, he's gone. Fuck off. Bye. So um, so you like you like like Willem Dafoe's performance in this? I wouldn't have given him an Oscar nomination, but I honestly, I'm like, is it just because you put him against a bunch of people that aren't actors, so he seems even better by comparison? Like, I think it's perfectly fine. I don't think it's bad acting. I just don't think this is like a particular. Like, people are like, this is his best performance in years. I, I don't agree. I, I can't think of many things I've seen him in where I don't think he's as good or better than he is in this. Like, I, he's just being the adult. Like, and I don't think that's that hard for him. There's an empathy. Yes, but that's the character. That, that's sure, that's like, the writing. The way... He's like the one nice person kind of thing. But I don't think he's doing much more than just. I don't know. Like I'm not saying like it has to be showy acting, like a like a Leo DiCaprio kind of thing. I just didn't think there was anything overwhelmingly special about his performance here. I don't. I think he's such a grounding force for this entire movie. This just insanely put upon man who is the 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 front line to this and he shows like this this tension of like these emotions of being like he has to be the stern dad to yeah, an would, entire community of people but also he just generally likes them and wants the best yeah, for them yeah 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 I, I as I said I like the character like I I and I I wish it was more through his viewpoint and like I wish you know instead of just the Mooney and Haley show I wish it was like right here's a little bit on Mooney and Haley here's a little bit on Scooty and Ashley here's Dickie and his dad here's here's Jancy and her mum here's some other people you haven't even met you know and I wish we almost like room hopped a bit more and that it was a bit more of an interweaving narrative rather than putting the sole focus on just a deplorable person (laughs) in my opinion and not because of her circumstances because I think she is just actively not a good person so, um, what did and, you think of Brooklyn Prince's performance? Again, everyone's like, oh, this kid, what a star. And I'm like, okay, she cried, and a lot of kids can't cry on cue, but like, otherwise, this is just pointing a camera at kids just not acting, you know? Like, so much of it is just kids screaming and shouting, and I, I'm not a huge that. fan of children, so... <laughs> but I watch so many child actors, and like, they all feel so coached and rehearsed, and like, well, yeah, this is but... this is how you do this line reading. This is how you do this, and there's a. If we're rewarding her for not just looking directly into camera or breaking, well, she doesn't really have much of a character, but, you know, not for just straight up asking what do I say next. Then like that's quite a low bar for a child actor. Like... Man, but there's just so many like little throwaway things that feel part of the, the the tapestry of this movie that like it's like this builds into the story, and you just throwing this off now feels so integral to it like and i know some of it is like very much ad lib like the line when they're like staring at the at the the rainbow and uh-huh. she's like let's go beat up the leprechaun <laughs> and it's like okay i just uh, you know very occasionally she'll say something funny and i'm like huh but like I, that is not worth it to me for being subjected to like 20 straight minutes of them just screaming and swearing and spitting on people and like just being yeah. foul little kids and I'm just like oh, we'll, we'll, we'll I felt the passage of time quite a lot in the first hour I would say and then it like it seems like at first it's all about Mooney and then it transitions to be more about Haley. and I don't know if that's for the better but it gave me less of a headache than <laughs> I was just like oh my god would they, someone quiet these children I mean you know this is partly on me for signing off on everything but yeah just very much not my bag it reminded me a lot of boyhood in that similarly i'm like this might as well have been a documentary 
And if it was going to be that, could you have made it about more likable slash interesting people? I, I think I think the subjects of Boyhood are bland, and I think the subjects of Florida Project are unpleasant. <laughs> and not, again, not because they are poor, because there are plenty of characters in this in similar, if not the same, situation who are much nicer people. <laughs> We will we'll touch on the spitting, but let's do our like regular like preamble. Sorry, thing. I just I just whenever it's one I haven't seen before, I feel like I completely derail the discussion by like... It's fine, there's only two more of these that you haven't seen. And... Yeah, I have more confidence in the others. <laughs> so, Matthew, in yeah. the UK, how did this do well then at the box office? Uh, so overall worldwide, uh, it made ten million dollars. Oh, almost 11 off its, like, $2 million budget. So, you know, not bad for a little indie movie. In the UK, uh, it made just uh, 800000 total. And in its opening weekend, in particular, it made $300,000, opened at eighth in the UK box office, ahead of Blade Runner 2049 in its sixth week and the Le- Lego Ninjago movie in its fifth week. Uh, and just behind Only the Brave, The Death of Stalin, Jigsaw, A Bad Mom's Christmas, Thor Ragnarok in its third week, Murder on the Orient Express, I'm disappointed uh, that that did so well, and then of course reigning at number one in its first week, Paddington 2. What can compete with Paddington 2, Ben? Um, <laughs> you could have put it on here instead of the Florida Project, Ben. <laughs> yeah, so you know, not not an unrespectable amount of money. I guess this is like I'll say I was interested in seeing it before I did. Like it, it's one that I heard the buzz about. I saw the trailers. I saw the still images sort of that were coming out for it. I guess it just had a really strong like release campaign kind of thing. Like A twenty four have gotten very good at saying like, look at this thing we've got. There a number of their trailers dropping. Like oh, that looks genuinely fascinating. So I certainly was somewhat hype about it and i guess that translated to it doing you know pretty well for a movie that is so small and has willem dafoe and no actors in it kind of thing yeah i mean the fact that this movie does about like what six times its budget worldwide is impressive yeah like and obviously a24 a24 are kind of vaguely similar to blumhouse and i don't think everything they do is like great but they're definitely the movie studio where like they put something out i'm like yeah i'm I will probably end up watching this. Yeah, like, like I, I'm mad at COVID because I want to see the Green Knight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, but you look at some of the stuff, and like, I, I don't like things like Waves, but then I loved Uncut Gems and The Lighthouse and The Farewell and Midsummer and Last Black Man in San Francisco, The Souvenir. Like, they, they, they have so many movies that I adore, but they're also like a little bit weirder than. <laughs> your studio fair and this yeah. is I, I don't think this movie's weird it's definitely no. just it's it's more of a and this is that wanky thing that like you find sometimes it's more of a tone poem where like not much no. in this movie it's just <laughs> kind of like here are some events in these people's lives that lead up to possibly a climactic moment but you aren't going to know what that climactic moment is yeah is it even real <laughs> and yeah but yeah so we are going to talk about critically acclaimed movies from the 10-year period. So it's 2017. Uh, the number one most critically moved from 2017 is Zama. Oh. Yeah. It's an interesting one. So this, this happened on the update to this list that happened back in February, where like Get Out was ruling this list for so long. And then out of nowhere, Zama gets a whole load of appreciation from international critics. It's this Argentinian movie based on a book that came out in the early 20th century. It's, it's a good movie. Mm. But it's definitely not my favourite movie of 2017. Mm. It's 
a weird little historical drama about a man who was sent to like um, work in this remote outpost in Argenti- Argentina and like his increasingly like stretched attempts to try and leave that keep on getting thwarted because he's just a bit of a shit. It's a weird one. Okay. Uh, but yeah, like <laughs> other movies that, cut, that, are, that critically came from this year, Get Out, Phantom Thread, Lady Bird, Kumbaya Name, First Performed, You Never Really Hear, Dunkirk, Florida Project, and the, the greatest movie of 2017, Twin Peaks The Return. We're not doing this again. <laughs> we're, we're just not. I don't care how good you think a TV show is, it is still a TV show, you fucking weirdos. <laughs> My favourite thing about it is, is if you look at TV critics' favourite TV show of the year, it's, it's not, not even number one. It's fucking leftovers, isn't it? It's and like you got all these movie critics are like, yeah, it's a movie, it's a movie, it's a movie. And TV critics are like, eh, there was another season that was better. Yeah, I mean, I, I still haven't finished it, but I, yeah, I, I would, would that have been the final season of the leftovers? Or yes, it would okay. have been. Well, even if I was lower on that than season two, I would still put that ahead of what I've seen of Twin Peaks Return so far, though I do gather it kind of... I mean, I, I don't think I've heard that it starts badly and gets better or anything. Like, people seem to have liked it right from the jump, but I do gather it, like, goes some places that I might like a bit more. But anyway, we're not here to talk about Twin Peaks, even if I would like us to be. So I'm just going to do a quick rundown of my personal okay. favorites. Yeah. Like, this, is, this is the first year that I've got, like, a limitless card to my local cinema and right. I'm going, like, once a week or whatever. Right. Uh, so, so Paddington my... 2. <laughs> so my top ten. Number ten is Baby Driver. Good movie. Good movie. Shame about the... Um, Better than no... Florida Project. Shame about both the pedophiles. Yes. Shame about both of them. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. I've never really thought about it in that. I mean, I know he was defending him and then stuff came out about him, but I never really put together that, like, yeah, there's a higher concentration than average in this movie. Sorry, go on. Uh, number nine, Good Time. Good Time, also better than The Florida Project. Good, good movie. Number eight, First Reformed. Haven't seen it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I gather it is. Sexy Priest. <laughs> Sexy Priest. Number seven, Lady Bird. I haven't seen it. it. was on the list at one point. Number six, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Very good movie. Yeah. Number five, The Phantom Thread. Haven't seen it. Number four, Get Out. Very good movie. Number three, Paddington 2, The Deuce. <laughs> the Deuce. I've seen most of it. I, I, I don't feel I need it. Again, to see. again all th- I will say, the, the core theme this top three have, they're my three five-star movies in 2017. They're all movies that I cannot watch without bursting into tears for okay. about like, 20 minute stretches. Fair uh, call me my name, number two. Of course. Number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. Five stars. And you like it more than Call Me By Your Name? I don't know. There is just a, something about it that just completely wrenches out. Like, I will say it's not in the top five for the podcast we've done so far, okay. which I did think for a second it would be, but it isn't. It has come down under having So basically the entire time I was watching it, I have been fascinated to hear what... And then I saw you'd given it five stars on Letterboxd, and I was just like, I, I desperately want to hear this... Like, like, I, I don't want to like say you're wrong. I want it because no one's right or wrong here, obviously. But I, I genuinely want to hear why you think those things. Because so, I was sort of... I felt I was like out at sea looking for something to cling on to kind of thing. Well, I mean, you, you're right. There is a one-star review from someone I follow on Letterboxd. Um, although that person is the director of the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I in which that. he just yeah. tells in which he just tells himself off for shooting the last scene digitally. We will get to the last scene, but yes. no, there is. A, so I don't know whether or not it's just the emotional state that I saw this movie because I watched both this and Called by Name within about like two days of each other in this incredibly lonely avenue in between Christmas and New Year's when I was working in London. Mm. And, so and London is t- horrible. So 
Yes, and the entire city is dead, and it was like no one else is working, and yeah. I'm not seeing friends. They're all they're all with family, and I'm like, I need to see these two things before the end of the year. I'm gonna go over in this like cold, not quite snowy, sleeting thing and go watch both of these movies. And then both of them are like these very warm summer movies that just made me like long for that. And they're both like these vague nostalgic things as well. Like I've spent time in Florida. I've spent time in not necessarily Italy, but in Europe, Europe in general. <laughs> and I just think that this movie, like on top of being an emotional ringer, on top of just really vibing with all the performances, like I think all everyone is really good. And I do understand like not having a anchor to this movie can be a detriment. Like if you cannot get on the emotion or like if you cannot root for what they're trying to do then it could be a detriment but i am one of those people that ascribes the idea that like movies can be about unlikable people yes but i don't find her compelling in a bad way either like i i, I don't think she can act is the other thing well i don't think she's like actively bad but i don't like call me by your name has these two staggering well three if you <laughs> if you add in Stolberg, but you know, particularly these two staggering acting performances. And, like, every scene with Haley feels like they just improvised for 20 minutes, left the camera rolling, and just picked a random five seconds and montaged it kind of thing. Like, you know, here they are just hanging out in a parking lot. Here they are smoking over here. Here they are in the pool. I'm like, fine, but where's the acting kind of thing, you know? And you're right, movies can be about unlikable people. And plenty of movies i like feature unlikable <laughs> characters and unlikable protagonists even and but yeah i i don't know if it's the absence of a counterpoint to like root for against i think it, I, if she were a stronger actress i would maybe be more okay with it but it just feels like she's just a shitty person and it's i'm just being like beaten over the head with how shitty she is and i i think that it's sort of sniffing around the outside, you know, it, it, it's hinting around at and fumbling around at the bigger social issues and, like, look how fucked the system is and that kind of stuff, but it never actually really goes there. And I don't think these are three-dimensional people. I feel this is... I feel he is... He, he can imagine, like, their circumstances, but I think he has no real grasp of what... You know, what are the inner workings? What is the inner monologue? What are the inner core values of these people kind of thing? Like, I think it's like the inner values and the inner core of these people is Haley wants her daughter to have a good life and she is literally just like... All, all of her spare time is like, I want to have fun, but also I need to figure out some way to make the, the $250 or whatever it is that I need a week to stay living in this incredibly shitty, <laughs> like, motel stretch yeah. where... I can't even make my own food and we have to have takeout every single night. And yeah, like, like I, I don't know. There's just, but then to count. This... Yeah. Like, yeah, she is doing whatever she needs to do to get enough money to get by. And like, you know, commendable, go get your money, do whatever you got to do. I, I fully, but there's also a sort of lack of engagement and like responsibility with just letting them just run free and just do whatever and sort of laughing it off when they've done shitty stuff. And, like, I'm not saying she doesn't... That she fully neglects her, because obviously she spends the time with her and, like, you know, laughs with her and plays with her and makes sure Mooney is always fed and everything. But there is that also secondary level where there's not any kind of attempt at instilling any 
I don't want, you know, I don't want to say instilling discipline, but you know, like these kids are very unruly, and she is very hands off with them, and it's yeah, yeah. She is she is entrusted Scooty by Ashley to like take care of him during the day, and I don't yeah. think there is a scene where like she is actually babysitting for Scooty. Yeah. It's just Mooney and Scooty have free run of like what seems like a, like a seven block radius of like yeah. where they live, and it's like oh, let's go to the ice cream place, let's go to this random falling down tree and they just kind of like yeah. roam the area and stuff like that yeah but, and again i don't i you know i don't have kids i don't want to condemn anyone's parenting when i haven't done it but like yeah just that doesn't help me try to like her you know there, there is just there is something that i adore about a movie that can transport me to like a location that i feel like i've been but show me like a flip side of it like yeah when i've gone to orlando i have only ever gone to the tourist side. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the more upbeat side. And you pass these motels and these huge bright colours. And I think this movie looks gorgeous. Um, Alexis Zabe is, yeah. the, is the cinematographer. And, like, the way that the, the purple pops Yeah, it, it's a beautiful motel. location. And, as I said, I think that is inherently a fascinating thing to do. It, it's the same with Boyhood. If you gave me the pitch ahead of time and told me they were going off to make this movie, I'd be like, cool, fucking let me know when it comes out. I just don't like the final product. You know, this is obviously a taste thing because I feel this and Boyhood have a very similar sort of drifty, slice-of-life, faux-documentary quality to them that obviously you're vibing with, and I absolutely am not. And I like documentaries. Um, I'm, I'm not, like, anti... I, I don't feel there has to be, like, a big, grand, interweaving tapestry story to everything. I just kind of... I don't like the way it's sort of... I wish it went all the way and actually just was a documentary and they just went and actually filmed in the area around Florida, you know, kind of thing. Rather than trying to have your cake and eat it. Or if you're going to do that, I would rather you, like, had a character I liked more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this is the core thing. is like, you are not inconsistent with what your tastes are. Your tastes are just... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of like, the, the improvisational... There's not really a plot. We, we'll, like, film a whole load of shit and then we'll, like, mm. see what sticks afterwards. But, that isn't your bag for a movie. Well, it is and it is. I think I I can like it. Like, have you seen Drinking Buddies? Uh, no, I've not. Okay, well, that's... The entire movie was improvised and not a lot really happens in that. But I, I'm down with that. But that was tied together by performances by actors I like and characters I, I was on board with kind of thing. Um, Whereas this is like we found Florida natives and kind of like stuck a camera at them, and it probably doesn't help watching this movie in in twenty twenty, where like every single piece of news you hear about Florida is just like, oh god, Florida, what are you doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Florida. Yeah, and the thing is like, well, I, I I did like that little added wrinkle, like watching this movie and kind of sat there going like, yeah, no, I could totally see these people like not giving a shit about the the global pandemic that's going on right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, what's that? What's that going to do to them that? the america hasn't already yes i I am being consistent however it is upsetting that you are always on the side of of general critical consensus and you don't have any bad movie takes i hate this narrative <laughs> go on then tell me about it no yeah so i mean like i do i do want to before we get into the movie i do want to just touch on the disney mm. of it all and it, it's one of my favorite things about the movie and this will lead into a conversation of the final scene I just love this, like, slow creep of capitalist, massive business that just exists on the outskirts of this entire movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, the, like, the like her that... bumping up against, like, wealthier institutions and stuff, like, you know, hustling at a country club and, 
you know, going to the resort hotel and charging to a room she's not staying in, and and that you can kind of see Disney in the distance and people rocking up that are really rich and have gotten the wrong hotel because it's called the Magic Castle instead of the Magic Kingdom, and yeah, all of that I was I was into, but like like yeah. the stealing of the tickets and the fact that they go to watch the fireworks. Yeah, Disney that was and... that was really cute. I like that. But it's just the general existence. Like, imagine living in what is supposedly the happiest place in the world. Like, a place where people <laughs> come from around the world, yeah. day in, day, and come stay in the place where you live, and they're there to come to somewhere that is apparently, like, yeah. just I, untold joy and magic. I'm them. still waiting for the Bloomhouse slash A24 horror set in Celebration, Florida. Um, <laughs> the most fascinating, but twistedly capitalist, bizarre, dystopian city in the world or town Um, obviously there's the horror movie that someone shot in disney on like mobile phone cameras yeah which obviously he shot at the end of this on on an iphone as well because you know disney are never gonna sign off is it even legal like (laughs) that's that's the thing like like, can disney take this movie down (laughs) that was always the question at the end of it is like imagine if disney in the year of 2017 where they have like in the year where they have like spider-man guns the galaxy And, and Star Wars and stuff like that. Imagine if they came and said, like, yeah, we're not releasing this movie. Because, uh, yeah, like, like, and- that was probably one of the most, like, feel-good years. Because, like, you know, obviously people started to turn on Marvel a little bit in Phase 2. And then I think they kind of did this sort of rehabilitation tour where they're like, right, everything's just fun this year. Here's Ragnarok, here's Spider-Man, here's Guardians, and here's another Star Wars, then it's the best one. And... <laughs> um, another time yeah and then i guess if you just nerf uh, an indie movie that like people are excited to see that isn't a good pr look but yeah there's like there's no way they would have received permission for them given some of the stuff that happened in this movie but no, no, absolutely i guess it's not. not a good look to go and punch down at the little guy but they've got a history a nearly century of history of punching down at the little guys so yeah scene is like because obviously like it is a child's fantasy like and it is like it's the thing that breaks my heart the most is like Mooney's having her life destroyed she doesn't quite understand what's going on all she knows is that she's going to live with another family and so she's like I'm going to go say or go to my best friend for help in this yeah. situation and she like runs across the apartment buildings to go find her friend and burst into tears and uh, Brooklyn Prince's face just destroys me in this moment and then Jancy's like you're in Florida what's the one place you think as a child is going to make your friend feel better yeah and, and like that breaks my heart the, like this very childlike wonderful thing of like let's go to Disney like that's going to solve your problems like if you, your world is collapsing you might never see your mum again Disney World <laughs> this is where we need to go yeah yeah and yeah i don't know like it was just like i think it was the last movie i saw in 2017 and just just tears rolling down my face at this just incredibly naive and beautiful sentiment of like mm. i want to, i want my friend to feel better and it and it's consistent with the escapist element that mooney has where like i took you on safari and it's cows you know like, <laughs> and and like going to the fucking broken down house Instead of, what is it, the Haunted Mansion or, or whatever it is, you know, like, she's making her own fun kind of thing. So it had that element to it. And then I guess a happy accident of having to switch to an iPhone is it gives it a very notably different visual palette and the music is so unlike what we've heard so far. 
It's, it's, it's Lorne Balfe doing Celebration, isn't it? Like, it's uh, him doing, okay. like, an instrumental cover of Celebration, which which opens the movie. Okay. Well, still, like, you know, it swells and the and the, the visual changes and the way that um, Jancy, uh, like, you know, has the big deep breaths before they go. It makes it feel like this is all a dream. You know, this is a fantasy. This isn't what actually happened. But then maybe it just is and they've just given it. They're trying to go for this sort of, like, triumphant, but as you said, naive little close. So it, it was an interesting ending for sure. The movie itself, so yeah. much like, like even lesser than Boyhood. Like Boyhood at least has like years that you can break down. And this is very much like, I feel like we can just discuss what Mooney does and what Haley does as kind of like two separate strands to the movie. Yeah. So yeah, so we open up with Mooney and Scooty kind of just hanging out on unsupervised in this motel complex and their friend Dickie comes to try and find them to tell them that some new people have shown up and how do they greet the new people? Uh, by spitting all over their car mm-hmm. and this was the first moment I was like yeah Matt might, like, might not like this like, no. they, are, they are incredibly shitty and precocious children yeah. to open this movie and just uh, I mean look spitting is gross, people who spit in the street deserve a punch in the back of the head Especially in 2020. Well, yes. And, yeah, it's a gross thing. And then also that they respond by just calling this woman every name under the sun. They spit on Jancy, man. Like, they spit on a human being. And then they trick her into helping clean the car up, kind of thing. Like, like, it comes across very as, like, Mooney is, like, a... You know, she's the daughter of, like, a hustler kind of thing. So she, like, knows how to con people. Yeah, just, I was like, oh, cool, <laughs> we're doing this. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe it'll go away, but it's kind of, it's kind of just this for an hour. Yeah, um, but I think is I, what I like about it is there is this sense of solidarity. Like, even though they do trick Jancy into, like, cleaning the car and her grandmother is just like, what the fuck are you doing? Stop doing this right now. This is, like, this is a punishment for them. It's not supposed to be fun. Yeah. But, like, it still breaks into, like, just... Everyone's in a shitty situation. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, uh, Stacy and and Haley kind of bonding over. Like, I just want to get laid and like gets. I can't remember how she phrases it. And they're like, yeah, me too, girl, me too, kind of thing. It's like, okay, yeah. Yeah, like, like no one, no one wants to live in a motel. No, like the people who are in this situation are not in this situation by choice. No. Like the idea of going week to week to paycheck in a in a place that charges you by the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, yeah, a a disturbing number of people believe poor people choose to be poor, and that's fucking offensive. Um, And yeah, like, this isn't like, oh, cool, we're like scamming the system and we found a cheap way to live. It's like, no, you think they don't, you think they want to be here? No, of course they don't. And like, but it's also the fact that like they're tied into this. Like, because they don't have a steady job, they can't do like the rental agreements. They can only stay in this motel, and this motel is potentially more expensive than some of the places that they could potentially Exactly, rent. and like the the fucked up Catch-22, you can't have a job without a house, you can't afford a house without a job kind of thing, and, and you know, like, it, it's sort of, a lot of like the details of her life are kind of hinted at in the background and around the edges kind of thing, and there's a scene much later where like, she, she's presumably, I mean, I think they say she's a stripper, and she doesn't want to fuck clients, so they fired her, and then she loses the benefit claims she was getting for, like, low-income households or whatever. Well, I mean, she isn't a household, but, yeah. So, like, yeah, the American benefit system and, like, job security and, like, the pressured, dangerous life of a sex worker, all of that 
interesting, relevant, needs a light shone on it. Absolutely. In the background for so much of it. Yeah. So much of like the texture of what's going on in this movie is in the background. Like yeah. They never sit down and explain to you why exactly Bobby has to kick them out for 24 hours. Like He, he has the one line where he's like, I can't have you establishing residence. I can't have you having yeah. rights as a property owner here because then it becomes harder to kick you out if I have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I assumed it was that, that it's a weird fucked up aspect of the law and squatters' rights and, and all that sort of stuff. I don't know if they have that in America, but it's a... And I don't even know how it works here. It's just a thing you hear sometimes. And it's like, yeah, I guess if you establish it as a living place, you can't just turf them out as easily. But the entire movie just kind of exists in this, like, hazy idea. Like, Mooney goes to try and find Dickie, and Dickie's like, no, nah, Dickie's being punished for spitting on the car. He's not allowed to go out and play with you guys for a week now and so Mooney's just like fuck it let's go bug the new girl and <laughs> adopt her into our little group of roaming children <laughs> yeah like and kids are like that like it, they're best friends oh they're mortal enemies and then best friends and like they have short memories about that kind of thing and like you know like Jancy seems like she's just like oh other kids I want to play with them kind of thing you know like because these kids have been kind of horrible to her but still, it's like, oh, other kids, you know, and like there is they're this... Giving, they're giving me attention. Yeah, there is this sort of fundamental sort of... Like, kids have a solidarity about them. I know that, like, kids can be horrible and like they, they find reasons to pick on each other or whatever, but then there is also a sense of camaraderie, I think, with... Probably more with younger children, where, where they're just sort of like, oh, hey, come play with us, kind of thing. Goes away when they become horrible teenagers, but... Yeah, like, that, that aspect of it is good, that, you know, they take her in and they have the, you know, she's sort of a viewpoint character into their world a little bit as they're, like, going and begging for ice cream money and stuff like that. <laughs> the, the ice cream money is so funny, where it's just, like, they just want change, and then eventually someone's just like, oh, fuck it, take, just buy ice cream. And then just sharing a single ice cream cone is, is like, so, like, they don't even want three, they just want the money to afford one that they will then share between the three of them. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you've got to set your sights on a realistic level. <laughs> it's such a hard movie to kind of, like, <laughs> yeah. to pin down exactly what you want to discuss. Because obviously, like, it's just these, like, little micro scenes. Like, you've got stuff, like, where Mooney and Scooty go to pick up, like, waffles from Ashley's place of work. Mm-hmm. And that starts this, like, little subplot where... she She's trading stolen meals for babysitting. Like, maybe this meal was turned away, or this meal didn't come out properly, here, take it away. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. And just the little subplot of, like, the bonding between Ashley and her, and Haley telling Ashley off for giving them extra maple syrup because it causes, <laughs> <laughs> causes Mooney to have gas. Uh-huh. And and obviously this all culminates in just the, in- the intense dissolution of this friendship, because mm-hmm. Haley is just bad at babysitting for Scooty. Because Ashley is taking something resembling responsibility... <laughs> yeah, like she, she she's she has a friend who she is entrusting with her child, and she yeah. thinks that she is watching over her child, and like she like you see it where like they trade the kids between each other, like on the night where they go out to the club or out drinking or whatever. Yeah, like yeah, they, yeah. they drop they them put, off with someone else. Um, but then to find out that like on one of the adventures that Haley, Mooney, and Jancy go on, they burn down like this empty condo. Yeah. <laughs> In, in a moment that, like, the movie calls a, like, because they can't go to the haunted mansion, they go to, like, the abandoned condos. Yeah, yeah, And it's them trying to, like, replicate the experience of being at Disney. Yeah, like, you know, I, I understand, like, you give a kid, like, literally no, 
like like this is a giant playhouse you know like you can smash anything it doesn't belong to anyone there are no repercussions go fucking crazy and then burning it the fuck down and then you know this is one of the areas where i want to be careful about how i talk about it but like the whole community kind of coming out to watch it burn as entertainment and like oh my god you're gonna miss it and stuff it's, like it, that this is better than tv and, and taking the, the picture of her in front of a burning house like Lynn prince's face in that picture where she's like <laughs> so like oh god what if they find out and, and well, plus being... just like what are you supposed to do like take you know do the two fingers duck face in front of a fucking burning house like and, yeah and, and, and ashley's response where she's seen scooty like scooty doesn't want to go yeah she's like oh no, out, I yeah <laughs> and it's like you guys did this didn't you like you yeah. absolute morons and then obviously bans scooty from hanging out with with mooney anymore yeah and then and, the meals go away and and then and again like this is a this is an instance where like I think Haley is just actively a bad person in that like a lot of the things that happen are not her fault. She is a victim of etc etc. Her response to Ashley being like, look, the, the, I mean, she doesn't tell her why she's done it, so I suppose that's like potentially a reason. But like that she goes to her place of work and is just the shittiest customer she can possibly be, just to abuse that like server and customer relationship where Ashley can't do shit or she'll lose her job. So she has to just put up with her being obnoxious, having Mooney just burp as loudly as she can, um, making her pack it all up as takeout, all of that. And it's just like, this was a really shitty thing you did. Like, this is not an appropriate response. And yet the thing that really rankles me in this moment is this this petty act, yes, it annoys Ashley, but like... I feel that there's the subtext that, like, Ashley is above it all. Like, she will put up with this shit because she knows that she's, like, got the high ground in this situation. And she can she's right. Deal with like, it. what are you yeah, supposed she, to she's do? Right. <laughs> she's right, but she's got the fortitude to, like, not stoop down to her level whilst sure. there's in this situation. Yeah. But the thing that annoys me is, like, just looking at the amount of money that she spends I know, on this food. just to make a petty point. I'm like, you can't afford this, can you? Like... <laughs> And she's like, yeah, order everything you want. We're going to be here all day. And it's like, this is... I, we don't know how she ended up in the situation she's in. There's no interest in exploring life before the movie starts kind of thing. And the circumstances. Like, the closest it gets is her talking to Stacy at the beginning. Who, and Stacy's like, oh yeah, my daughter made me a grandma at 15 or whatever. And, and she doesn't really give much information back. But that's as close as it gets. And it's just like doing shit like this cannot be helping your financial situation but again i don't want to say it's her own fault she's poor yeah. like, okay. and especially because like she does this before she's found her like more sustainable <sighs> yeah. method of earning money yeah like like this is when she's like hawking the the, the perfumes on yeah the she buys wholesale yeah. perfume and then sells it to dumb rich people in parking lots and stuff i'm like you know her, get your money in- man like Go do her it. inability to know what things are worth as well because <laughs> obviously the perfume she's buying wholesale she tries to get money off of that she's presumably selling it out like not a particularly high markup to try and earn some cash back on that mm-hmm. like maybe she's buying it for like a, a thirty dollars and selling it for forty like she isn't smart with how she's doing it <laughs> yeah. um, and nothing is more clear than when she steals the Disney bands and sells them for four hundred dollars instead of a grand. <laughs> Like the guy comes, those cost me one thousand seven hundred, and she even undersells how much like the ticket agency is going to sell them to this guy, and like, oh, they'll do it for six hundred, I'll do it for four hundred. Yeah, 
totally yeah and it's just it's short term and it's like just make your buck now kind of thing yeah and like you get like they had an ipad and like all the kids take turns with the ipad and that's you know that is modern parenting just give the kids the device to shut them up for half an hour kind of thing and i i'm not condemning that i think just getting a break from that is fully valid but and then just the line later where she had to sell the ipad kind of thing i was like okay like you know i i have sympathy for the circumstances for sure such a tough thing and it's like the entire I, I, there's the Terry Pratchett economic idea of boots where it's like you buy a pair of boots that's cheap and they're not going to last you that long and you end up having to buy yeah, more yeah, pairs yeah, of yeah, boots yeah, yeah. the person who would have to buy like the one pair of boots that cost seven times as much yeah you and I have sold an awful lot of pairs of headphones in our lives and mm. people refuse to spend more than a certain amount because like, oh, they're not worth it but like you're going to spend more than that by having to replace these shitty ones that you're buying every six months. Like if you just spent that little bit of extra cash, you would save money long term. But it's like you know you're trapped in it. I mean, it's not quite the same because that's like a luxury product versus boots, which you know you need a pair of shoes. Um, but you kind of are forced to pay money that you don't have. But that's the thing is like so much of this is like everyone's got phones, everyone's got iPads, and they become. <laughs> they become these like items that people have to have to have some semblance of normal normalcy yeah yeah, yeah. like and you see sometimes on twitter like snobby people being like how come this homeless dude's got an iphone it's like shut the fuck up like <laughs> you're you're taking this uh, like a very antiquated understanding of what a necessity is and stuff like that um and like yeah mod- phone everyone has phones now like you have to have a phone like no one has a landline <laughs> it's just so much of this i can just i i, I know that you have that barrier of like <laughs> these are shitty people but i find this a world that i can just like ease into and just enjoy the rhythms of the daily life of of this and and just and just kind of like i can be sad even though i don't agree with any of the choices that Haley makes in this movie i can be sad that like there is a loving bond here that is going to be destroyed by her negligence yeah like she it's it's not a situation where she sort of in any way resents Mooney and is like, oh god, if I didn't have you I might be able to get by. Like none of that. Like she she loves Mooney, like un un unreservedly, undoubtedly. Which is why it probably bothers me more that there's like this helicopter parenting and like just letting them just run wild and like not even your own, letting other people's kids run wild, you know? Like they talk about like, a lot of the descriptions for the movie are, I guess they're intentionally written to sound very different than how it is, but they talk about it being, like, summer break and everything. Do these kids go to school when it's not summer? Because I think, I swear there's a scene where, like, Jancy is describing recess as, like, a foreign concept. And I think they're saying that, like, Mooney has been to school for a year and yeah. Jancy hasn't started school yet. I think right. they're just at that age where, like they're just starting going to school or maybe Jancy's been homeschooled or, right, or right, something right, along right, those right, lines right. and like she will be going to a school and it's like the idea of like they are just young enough that school has only really been a thing for like a year of their lives yeah and like do you get free lunch to a certain age or or do you never get free lunch I don't really I know lunch money is obviously a thing in America but I don't know if like that starts being a thing from a certain point and before that you get free meals or if you're just expected to give them but what I'm getting at is like you know are these like the difficult months where you don't have the school as a as relief and some potential economic relief? 
this is the same thing that's been happening over COVID. Is like yeah. the overwhelming thing that people have said is like without kids in school and me working twenty four seven, like it's it's hard to maintain that balance because you've got yeah. to be babysitting yeah. at the same time as you are working. And if both of those things are happening in the same house, it it gets stressful. And it's the yeah. same thing here where it's Absolutely. like so many of these people seem to be single parents. Like you you never meet Dickie's mum. Mm-hmm. You never see a father for for Scooty. Yeah, like it, it definitely feels like a lot of these people are doing this on their own, and so that is why there's that sense of community where it's like the people who aren't employed are going to take care of the kids, and we will try and support them with food or with with this kind of stuff, and like band together. Like even down to like Haley's job as a dancer probably means she was working nights yeah. more often than not, which yeah. meant that like I would drop I would drop Mooney off with Ashley, and yeah. she would take care of, and then Haley would take care of. Yeah, like, Ashley works at the diner in the day, and and Haley was working in a club at night time, but now she's not working at all. <laughs> yes, because yeah. she will not have sex with the clients. No, which, which yeah, absolutely, like fuck that shit. Like, yeah, and but then it ultimately leads to the kind of the, uh, the the shitty situation which she finds herself in, where she's like, she ironically does end up having sex with clients. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, where she she is unable to she she can't maintain selling the perfume because like that must be such like a, a stressful situation. Well, yeah, like, like you see her getting like caught by a you know a fake cop, you know, a security <laughs> guard in a golf cart kind of thing, and and does she like they struggle over it? I don't I can't remember if she actually did confiscate it from us like half of them end up with a security guard half of them end up yeah and Mooney's like why did you let her do that or whatever and it's yeah like that that isn't a long-term thing and at some point you run out you can't you run out of supply you know yeah and I really enjoy the slow roll to her deciding to take up sex work because like it starts with what seems to be an instant enough photo shoot where like, oh she's god when that dawned on me that like why they were doing this i was like oh god because <laughs> yeah, she's like, like oh we're taking swimsuit selfies and she's like making it a, as big a thing as possible we're in all the pictures together and like you pose you pose and then it's like this is all just so that i mean i'm not saying she doesn't also want to just have a fun time with her kid and and stuff but she's getting her child to take her like profile photos essentially and yeah and then yeah. and then there's obviously the bath yeah. that starts happening. I like, did like, keep thinking, why are we seeing so many scenes of her in the bath with loud music? Like, what are we gaining from this? Uh, and then I realised the scene where a guy walks in is mm. really... That is powerful. Like, Mooney's face. like, And you never see the guy, obviously. But just her being like genuinely like, afraid of him. Kind of. And this, this kid is like so fucking precocious. She will walk right up to anyone, say anything. So for her to feel, like, vulnerable and afraid and, like, she needs to hide herself behind a shower curtain, that was a powerful scene. But just then, again, I in zero ways condemn sex workers. Very pro-sex work. Doing it there while should... your kid is next door, kind of gross. Like, Yeah, there should be there should be that kind of barrier between yes. home life and, and work life and stuff like that. And just, you know, like, who... how the proximity of child to a dangerous environment kind of thing like i you know i'm sure if she was still friends with ashley this situation is better because she she drops the uh, mooney off with ashley and then she has her she does her job and then she goes and picks mooney back up that is that gets rid of the ick factor for me it it, it's not that she is is having sex for money it's that she is 
potentially exposing her child to a dangerous environment kind of thing. Um, that's where I find it yeah. gross. I, I did. What did you think of the music in these scenes? Because obviously, <laughs> it's all just like... like generic, like you know, trap kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, it's 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 fitting. I didn't know if it was anything that like you were a fan of that you were listening to. Like, oh, that came out in twenty seventeen. I've got nostalgia. <laughs> of it. It's just um, I recognise like... some of them, but a lot of that stuff just sounds the same. Like trap music is just churned out by people you've never heard of before who are famous yeah. for like three months. And as J Cole says, That's... "Lil whatever." Um... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it did, it did very much feel like the pe- like the music they were getting. Like it can't it can't cost that much. It just has to be like presumably like florida locals or like that particular area of america locals just kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. what is playing they sent a mixtape into this radio station and they got to, exactly. to play it on yeah, the yeah. like like in um in atlanta you know like paperboy is like real famous in atlanta and then you, he comes up against all these other rappers who like we've you know they're all fictional so it's hard to tell if they're supposed to be actually famous but it kind of seems like they're all just people who are like They've had one mixtape and then they're just gone, kind of thing. Yeah, that that scene, I was like, oh god, like those are the moments where I'm like, I, I kind of wish Mooney was less of a little shit for some of the other times, you know? Like she's, you know, kids are kids can just be horrible and it's just part of being a kid. Like kids can be obnoxious. I don't, I'm not saying she has to be a perfectly well behaved child. It's just she is excessively quite a little shit sometimes, and then and that, every that now and then the she's thing. like really charming or like. You know, she'll say something poignant, like, I, I can tell when adults are about to cry. And it's like, right, that, is a, that line carries more weight than, than it seems it does. Yeah, and, like, these little hints at, like, a, a vulnerable performer who understands emotion and stuff. And then it's just back to, like, just screaming and running around. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> but that's what kids are like. I know it? they are, but I don't like kids. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's... I don't mind kids, and I have memories of being maybe not this precocious because, <laughs> like, I, I I would never have the confidence to do what Moon does in this movie. But definitely the idea of like running around. But I've yeah, got those like, I, of, like, I understand being a kid and running around doing dumb shit and everything, and like you know getting in burning down houses. You know, and... yeah, very standard stuff. Like you know, I have you know, I was at an age where it seemed like it would be funny to spit off the edge of a bridge or off a high point or whatever. But like, yeah, I don't really want to see it to this length I would say you know like because it seems like there's like almost 45 straight minutes of just seeing these kids being like this I'm like oh my god can we have a break please I guess your tolerance for children will (laughs) dictate your experience I mean it's it's an interesting one because obviously like there's it's very hard to nail this and the only the movie that I'm thinking of in comparison to it is is George Washington which is David Gordon Green's first movie the guy who is like director of pineapple express he starts his career off with this like movie about a group of kids in like rural northern california and it's very much the same thing where it's like a lot of actors who you've never heard of will never hear of again being general little shits yeah like and like being delinquents and stuff like that but it is that question of like this is very much true to life for a group of people and and kind of like how do you convey that this is true to life and also that they are people to be empathised with. And I do think the movie threads that needle in that, like, by the end, I'm, like, so very torn about the decision because, obviously, Ashley ends up calling the DCF in Uh on on Hayley because of her sex work after the the point where Hayley beats the shit out. Uh, 
I don't know if this is just me. Do you ever watch a movie and, like, someone gets beaten up or a character beats someone else up and you just feel really, like, gross and, like, you... you... I actively resented Haley for this. I was like, why do you get to do this kind it of thing? Is the is the most sickening point yeah. in the movie. And it's, like, it's a really... It's very violent. You don't see anything, but it's just the way that she's just on her and you just see her just hammer fist down on her like six times or whatever in front of her son when she's mm. in the wrong, you know? Like, because she's like, look, you do what you're doing, but if you ever did this while my son was there, I would fucking kill you. And that's a 1000% justifiable position. And her response is to beat her up. And I'm just like, oh my god, what the shit? <laughs> like, yeah, like, she's, she has gone to Ashley to ask for money. Yeah, because like, Bobby not- caught her and is, like... Like, he... You said about Bobby, like, he he is in this difficult position. Um, and, like, you know, he cares for the kid. Like, an old man wanders in and Bobby's kind of looking at him kind of suspiciously and is sort of like, hey, maybe you come this way, kind of thing. And then he full-on, like, is like get the fuck out of here like <laughs> you creepy old man so yeah and he like obviously the kids are causing mayhem but he's still like is fine with them being in the office or like you know he, he watches out for them so he doesn't kick her out for doing it but he's like right stop it guests check in with id at the desk and obviously no man who is one of them is fucking sneaking away from disney world to fucking bang a girl in a motel like <laughs> Yeah, he's come here. He's come here with his wife and children, spent <laughs> thousands of dollars on this trip, and yeah. it's just like, yeah, I'm gonna go away for the evening and bang a random sex worker. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, I, no, no aspersions thrown on Haley for this. This is a hundred percent on the kind of guy that's so shitty. Is like, I cannot deal being with my family. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I love those people. Those are my favorite people. No, don't make me spend time with my family. What the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, and, like, Bobby protects her in that scene by being, like, you know, he puts it together. He's like, I'm sure those wristbands were for your your wife and your children. Like, oh, I'll just call the cops. We'll just, you can just come explain this whole thing. And then he leaves. And it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, so now she... Cause, and he comments, like, oh, have you got a new job? Because he was having to chase her up on rent. He was having to count it. There's a brief moment where I feel Willem Dafoe breaks character because they're having that interaction where she's like... He's like, I trust you. And she's like, well, do you? And he sort of laughs. And he's like, you got me or whatever. And I'm like, did you just break out? I don't know. But um, And then she suddenly... I, I do like I do like when she gets like the big note and he has to do it under the little UV yeah, light UV to like, light, check yeah. that it's real. Yeah, she suddenly starts having money. She's, she's paying it on time. She's got the bigger notes. And he's just sort of like, oh, you got a new job or whatever. And then now that this revenue stream has been cut off, she has to go crawling back to Ashley. And Ashley rejects her. And I guess she's just frustrated. I get it. Angry at the world. The world has fucked you. Like, you've gone for a landline and it's blown up in your face. So she's just taking yeah. out her rage well, the on last her. Time, but... The last time she saw Ashley was in the incident in the in the diner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, like, the next time she sees her, and it's the kind of thing where it's like, it's not an apology that Haley has gone to Ashley for. Yeah. It's an apology and also can I borrow some money? I'm sorry, can I can you please loan me some money? I'm like, sorry because I need money now. <laughs> yeah, it's not altruistic. Like she isn't no, going there because she realizes she's shit- shitty, she's in there because yeah. I might get kicked out of, yeah. of and, this place. And furthermore, 
Ash, Ashley says, or she points out, everyone knows you're doing this. And, like, she pulls up her profile or whatever. And she's like, that's not me. It's like, these are your fucking tattoos, you dumbass. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you are not a clean tattooed person. It's rule 101 of being sexy on the internet. You can't have anything distinguishing to identify you. Yeah, she doesn't do anything. It's after she beats the shit out of her that she then calls the DCF. She brought this on herself in a lot of ways. You know, like, I don't know what she would have done from here after Ashley rejected her if she just took it and walked away. But yeah, she's kind of worsened her own situation by doing this. Yeah, just it made me feel like quite upset that she beat Ashley up like that. I was just like, oh man. I, I think that's 100% the point. And I think it's, it's that conflicting emotion is what you're supposed to be feeling in that final scene when obviously the DCF come the first time and she refuses to let them have entry. And Bobby's she, like, she cleans the room and gives her weed away and everything. And it's like, oh, she's yeah. being really nice. Oh, it's so she can pass a room inspection. Yeah, and yeah. Bobby's just kind of like so resigned at this point because he knows where this goes inevitably. He knows he's going to be issued the warrant for the, the video footage and stuff like that. Like, he wants to help her, but he also knows that he can't rock the boat yep. in this situation. Yeah, it's so tricky, and, like, he tries to help her all the time. Like, when he makes her go to the other hotel for one night, and it's got new ownership who aren't willing to do... Like, they've raised their prices, or it's, like, it was, like, an agreement between hotel owners. Like, hey, will you take my people for one night at a reduced price? That's closer to mine. Presumably this other motel isn't doing the whole, like, live-in situation with people. Yeah, where yeah. where they're not supposed to establish it's like no 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 we're just for tourists and it's yeah like, they're, they're clients these are not our wards these are not people that we feel a need to like protect and you know she obviously blows up at these people bobby tries to help you know he he like run he like jogs over there himself to like try and talk them into it so yeah he does try and help her and everything but then like equally she takes advice she takes that so for granted like he is such a patient man and that scene where like after she, he puts the ban on guests and she, like, storms into the office and she, he's like, right, get out. And she fucking slaps her sanitary towel on the window and gives him the finger. And he still doesn't kick her out. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, but, like, building to that. Like, there's no way it can go other than this. And, like, I will say, like, you know, where you said it's, like, it's supposed to be, like, a conflicting sense of feeling. Like, I spent the whole movie, like, you know almost callously like she deserves to lose her daughter kind of thing but then when you actually see it happening it's upsetting you know like and it's it's that privileged position of just sort of saying oh they should take your kid away they should evict you they should fire you and it's like it's easy to say but then the actual harsh realities the human element of it is is very distressing um and willem dafoe tries to smoke his way to an oscar nomination I mean, he gets the Oscar. I know he does. I know. And I was like, oh, look at him go. He's just... I, I, I know what he's feeling without him saying anything. That's acting. See, that's <laughs> that's what I really love about this. And we haven't really touched on Willem Dafoe. Yeah, I was going to say. Too much. Like, I, I was kind of like saving up for the end because it's like, there is... This is the kind of performance that I wish was nominated more often at the Oscars. Like, this is An very understated much... one. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is not, like, the big showy, like, I am acting, I am doing a thing. It isn't even what Storbuck's doing in, in Call Me Name, which is, like, I have the great monologue. And obviously, that is a more restrained performance throughout, but it does have that one moment where he gets the monologue. This is just a sustained performance of just, like, getting to show so many different sides. Like, the scene when Mooney and her little cohort turn the power off to the building. <laughs> yeah. 
and he like, makes his way across the, the, the complex and is like, I'm Everyone's doing booing him and then they all cheer him when he's fixed it. Yeah, yeah and like people shouting, like, I love you, Bobby, and stuff like that. Afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Like, again, it's that situation where like he is everyone's dad in this place. And that's the like, movie I want to see. I want to see it where he is the caretaker and this is his little charge. You know, these are all his charges kind of thing. And I want to see them all. I don't just want to see Hayley and Mooney. And maybe they set out to make that movie and then were like, right, this kid is really good, let's focus on her kind of thing. But, yeah, I just... That's where the pitch versus the final product isn't jiving for me. Um, because, I, again, I don't think he's actively bad. I, I You know, I like Willem Dafoe. He's a, he's a person who, when he shows up and stuff, I'm like, oh, cool. Everything's going to be okay. Willem Dafoe's here. And, I, you know, I, I'm, I like the scenes he's in. It's just we're also denied of more stuff with him kind of thing like the, like what is going on with his son and, and his estranged wife and everything like we see one scene of it and then it's just gone and it's just like ah oh, okay bye, bye Caleb Landry Jones dominating 2017 and, and you know the surrounding times it's a bizarre thing that he shows up and like, <laughs> is this, this the one, one he's best in because he's barely in it <laughs> yeah exactly he just shows up he has this one thing where he's like I don't even know what his impetus is. is. It just to come hang out with his dad that he comes. Well, yeah, because he's like, oh, I thought you needed the money. It's like it's a three-hour drive. I don't need the money. Like I'm just, I think he's trying to fix his relationship with his dad and like try and because he's like, you know, oh, I told her you said happy birthday or or get better or something. He's like, don't tell her I said that. Tell her the opposite. <laughs> just like, okay, dude. <laughs> and they have like a little falling out and yeah, and just like. Every time there's like a little hint at something, I'm like, "Oh, do more of this." It gets snatched away from me again. <laughs> no, I mean, I I do love Willem Dafoe. He's he's got two yeah. of my favorite supporting performances of the decade, and we're not going to talk about the Lighthouse on this podcast. But like, oh. the Lighthouse is the kind of the big showy yeah. Yeah, version yeah. of him doing the things. Like everyone knows what Willem Dafoe's like. And, <laughs> Just uh, dangerously insane. <laughs> Dangerously insane can be the hammiest motherfucker in the world. But then like it can everyone... also be so so warm and nice. It's, exactly, it's, yeah, it's it's kind of weird that he's so expertly able to do both of those. Like he's one or the other. He's either that absolutely crazy guy, or he's just the nicest man in the world. <laughs> exactly. Like this feels so far away from his performance in Spider Man. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like where he is hamming up the joint in that movie yeah. and then here it's like I just want to give him a hug yeah. hopefully like, hopefully he comes back in live action Spider-Verse why bother trying to recast him when he's sitting right there <laughs> the, the other thing I really like is the way that he reacts around the um, like just the shittiness of the owner of the motel hmm. where like he just drops in for the day and is just kind of like here's my list of demands you can't have people having bikes out yeah. on the walkways anymore. This is all this finable, up. this is all actionable. Yeah. And like, like he, he he dictates to Bobby what he has to write down on this letter, and then just like sign the management. Like, he is not a public face to these people. Bobby is the human face. Yeah, and, and is he the one that makes him... Somebody makes him move the... There's like the welfare people who are like handing out free food. Yes, And he makes him, them yeah. move the truck round back. And it's like, why? <laughs> I don't want anyone seeing welfare trucks in front of my because, establishment. Because he still wants tourists to come. Yeah, like, It's yeah. obvious that this motel is not aimed at tourists. Like, the idea that you could have this sustainable thing where, like, oh yeah, tourists are going to come. And like if you do, it's the ones who, like, 
like the people on their honeymoon who <laughs> they show up and they either book the wrong place or they're like, oh, can we get some last minute tickets to a Disney hotel? And you're like, no, of course not. It's Disney. <laughs> Come stay in our little two bedroom motel rooms that charge $38 a night because yeah. we're so fucking close to Disney that you have to have this. And we've like... got a similar name and it's purple and it's got a very vague castle motif. <laughs> and he spent $20,000 on the paint and you're sat there going like, Jesus Christ, this like Bobby can't afford to fix the washer dryers or the ice machine yeah. and yet they've got $20,000 to throw the paint. Yeah, you want to talk about financial irresponsibility. Yeah, Throw some of that Bobby's way. Yeah. And, like, just the computer he's working on in 2017, <laughs> this, like, old fucking ancient, like, not early 2000s computer that's, like, barely keeping up with his expense reports and stuff like that. It's <laughs> just, I, I know a lot of this is the other elements, but there is a warmth to Willem Dafoe, and mm. just the way he reacts around different people, like, he isn't, the only people he knows where he stands against are the clients, because yeah. these are the people that he spends his time with. These, like, he lives in the motel too. Like, he disappears next door when he like finishes for the day, uh, get changed for the day, and then like chucks someone out of their apartment because yeah. they've been dealing drugs. I think is the, the yeah. He said there's but, a lot of traffic in and out, so either that or what Haley was doing. Yeah, and like the other the other security guy who spends his time with the cameras, it seems a bit shit. Where like he yeah, doesn't go out and stop the fight that happens where someone gets run over. In the... <laughs> yeah, maybe we don't let customers get hit with cars in the parking lot. Maybe that. <laughs> I like that she screams "World Star" uh, while they're all on the balcony watching. And so, you know. But yeah, and and like obviously, and then you just get this like quadruple narrative at the end where you've got like. Haley losing her shit finally when like they ask her to come outside and calm down. You want me to help you take my daughter away? Yeah, that was a fucking cheeky thing to try to try and ask. Yeah, and then Mooney just kind of like trying desperately to escape because she's finally like she still doesn't quite get it, but she understands. Scooty lets slip, doesn't he? Yeah, when she goes to see him and say goodbye to him. And he's like, oh, I hear you're going to live with another family. And she's like, what did he mean? And it's like, oh, shit. And then she turns and is, like, not going along with it at all. Yeah, and yeah. then Bobby just, have, so, like, he can't watch this. Yeah, like, he just so goes the, to smoke. <laughs> the worst thing in the world to him is watching these people who he loves and cares for yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in pain and turmoil. But there's only, you know, you can't be having that. Like, it is a thing that someone needs to intervene there. Like, And it's not that she needs to be taken away from her forever. It's like, it's the, it's like in short time twelve, you know, like some people need a little bit of temporary relief to try and get their life back on track a bit, and then you can have the kid back, kind of thing. And but again, yeah, it is ugly watching it. No matter how I don't I don't want to say poorly she's treated her because again, like you know, she does love her, and like you know when they they run and they they're running around and playing in the rain or whatever, and like she takes her to that restaurant. I, I think when she knows it's coming, kind of thing that they're going to come and inspect her because she cleans the room out. She takes her to that. I don't know if it's supposed to be on the premises of Disney or just just another hotel resort or whatever. And she she's like, oh, what room are you in? Oh, 323. Like, just put it on the bill of 323 and she mm. gets her whatever she wants and everything. So, like, yeah. I don't want to say she doesn't care for Mooney, but, you know, despite how iffily she has parented her, it is a horrible thing to see her, like, taken away from her. And, like, ideally you want kids to be with their parents in as many circumstances as possible. But, you know, this woman is wearing out her like good faith kind of thing yeah like that there are definitely like 
boundaries that she has crossed like yeah. not only in the negligence and presumably like you don't know whether or not Ashley mentioned the fire and like not paying attention to well I doubt it because she's scared that she's gonna get implicated in that as well sure yeah. sure uh, but like obviously like they've got the security footage of like all the men leaving the hotel room and yes. and it's like you yeah and it's like you know Bobby didn't call these people so it's like it's not his decision but then also like he doesn't want to invite any yeah, he doesn't want to get in trouble for not sharing stuff. Yeah, like the, the she like Haley is under her own liability. Like she has made these decisions. They are not decisions of the of the property because he just wants to keep his job ultimately, even if he does care for it. And then obviously the Disney sequence, which we've already yeah. talked about. Yeah. And yeah. just how heartbreaking it is. Again, like I am crying for like just the, the moment DCF show up, I'm crying for the last twenty minutes of this movie. I find it so Yeah, I as I said at the start, like I found I found that like that when the ten, you know, the palpable tension when they arrive, and like, how is this going to play out? Like, that was far more engaging to me than a lot of the sort of more listless, driftiness that came before. I, that was that was Florida Project. That's Florida Project. I'm sorry, some of these can be unpleasant when I just actively detest them, but uh, it's fine. Maybe it, I make my maybe I make myself more compatible than I actually would be. <laughs> No, I, I think you take these on the chin very well and, like, just say what you... I don't want this to be an argument and be like, you're wrong about this movie you like. I, I feel guilty that I don't like a movie you like. I want us to have a good, fun time talking about movies. I just... We, we've had some good ones. We have. Handmaiden, Handmaiden was well. wonderful. Call Me By Your Name was wonderful. Some others have been great that I have never seen before. And it's, you know, it's on me. Like, at the start, I think we made the rule, like, we should watch them all before we finalise. And then at some point I started just being like, ah, fuck it, just put it on the list. It seems like something that should be on there. And like, <laughs> you know, thinking like, well, I don't want to watch it and then have to, and then watch it again in like six weeks. Like I might as well just watch it for the first time or whatever. And like, you know, I think we'll try and be better about getting lists where it's uh, a more pleasant experience for everyone involved. Um, but then again, we always had this thing of like, you get a certain number of unchallenged picks and maybe this would have been yours. Like, I got Chef on here because it's like I, it's important to me we talk about Chef. And if you feel, maybe not identically, but similarly about Florida Project, then absolutely zero problem with it being on here. And it's a movie this a is, lot of people love, so, like, yeah, I want is, you to get to talk about it. This is solidly in my 10th of the decade. Like, it is a movie, and I, I'm annoyed at myself that I've not seen Tangerine yet which seems like something I would very much enjoy I've heard some people think Tangerine is better there are too many acclaimed films called Tangerine I can't keep up with them <laughs> but yeah that was that was Florida Project that was our episode I had a great time rewatching it I'm sorry to have forced you for doing it uh, look I, we've established you're the one with the good taste and I'm the one that everyone <laughs> sort of rolls their eyes out when I say my opinions on movies and uh, we just got to keep it going you know <laughs> well, well next is an interesting one because this is a movie that yeah. I am not conflicted on I enjoyed it when I watched it mm. I am very intrigued to see what my reaction to it is on a rewatch I watched this director's uh, debut directorial feature earlier on this year and fucking adored it so we'll see whether or not uh, my opinion on this improves, but we are doing Annihilation. Yeah, which I saw for the first time less than a year ago. Uh, I I kept meaning to watch it. I was like, oh, you know, we, I think we've established I fucking love Alex Garland. That would have come up on Sunshine. Dread had a very real chance of being on this list. So I, he is someone I follow anywhere, and like I mostly like, but don't love Ex Machina. So like, it's not I love everything he makes. Like, I don't love the beach. 
which he wrote. He wrote the book. He didn't write the film. I yeah, think but is... uh, did he not? I thought he was involved in the writing of the film. No, I think it's that weird thing where, like... Oh, you get a story credit just because you wrote it. The book. And then, for whatever reason, he gets picked up by Danny Ball to do 28 Days Later. Okay, right. So, but yeah, like, I don't I don't a thousand percent love everything he's in, but I'm always interested to see anything he's made. And, yeah, I watched it and, like, haven't watched it again since, so maybe I will like it less on a second watch. But watching it for the first time, I was just left with a... While watching it, I would think I even tweeted out, this is extremely my shit kind of thing. <laughs> so that will be interesting. And we get another foray into Ben's book club, because I read the book before I watched yes. the, this one. Yes. I, I do enjoy Ben's book club. We'll, we'll do a full book report at the end. 500 words, please, on all those books. <laughs> <laughs> but there we go. This has been our episode on Florida Project. Matthew, before we, we leave people, will there be movies? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Florida Project how to do one of our little outros with that like oh you, you have movies and then the government come and take them away like what the fuck would that be <laughs> bye everyone bye <laughs>